0: Sometimes your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. We're going to talk about that tonight. We have Joe Manchin talk. We have Drew Holden exposing media corruption. It's pretty bad. And Miranda Devine about Hunter Biden's laptop. Don't think we've forgotten about that. All that's coming up and I'm Right. Let's talk about some COVID communism, shall we? I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking about where we were versus where we are. Think think how much the world, including America, has changed in just the last two years. Do you remember what it was like pre-COVID? I know that sounds crazy. It's only two years ago. You're thinking to yourself, yeah, of course I remember what it's like. But I was going over in my head all the things that have changed and all for the worse. Do you remember what it was like before you saw anyone with a face mask on ever? Do you remember what it was like before companies fired employees because they didn't get vaccinated for something? Do you remember what it was like when I don't know family members didn't divide themselves between vaccinated and unvaccinated? That wasn't that long ago. It's like like yesterday. And now We're at a place where there's so much mental illness over coronavirus firmly ingrained in our society and huge portions of our society, in our politicians. I don't know how we come out of it. I mean, I don't know how we ever get back to where we were just two years ago. I don't know. And I want us to be back there, don't you? Don't you remember two years ago, two years ago, if the CDC said something... You probably believed them. You probably trusted it. The FDA, probably less so, but even still, if the FDA said something just a couple years ago, you probably said to yourself, okay, that's right, nice. If a uh, doctor said something two years ago, you know, white lab coat, MD, all those things, you probably were inclined to believe them. Now, probably a 50-50 shot, you sneer. Oh, doctor, here we go. Here we go. Isn't that a stunning fall? in just two years. And the part I think that probably hit me hardest as I was thinking about this this morning was this. I don't feel like anyone's trying to pull us out. I mean, you might be, or I might be, but I feel like all the people who've done this to us, they're going all in still. They're they're not changing direction. Right now, 73% of the coronavirus cases in America are Omicron. That's wonderful. Let's let's keep in mind, no matter what the panicky headlines tell you, Omicron is very mild. And coronavirus has had some nasty strains, right? People have died, lots of people. We now have the dominant strain in America as it's been described by virtually everyone as a mild cold. We can officially say at this point in time, it's not even deadly. Worldwide, there's been one recorded case and that one's... In dispute this is good it's time now in a normal world in a sane world we'd be coming out of all this let's get rid of the masks enough of this craziness in a normal world that's what we'd be doing i mean bill de blasio's health commissioner is saying uh hospitals are doing fine we've seen cases and test positivity increase
1: sharply but as yet, we have not seen the same thing with respect to the markers of severe disease, particularly hospitalizations. As of now, the hospital's not being taxed. Capacity is okay as of now? Yes, that's correct. We're watching it closely. We're making adjustments as we need to. Uh, but right now, we are in a solid
2: position.
0: Awesome. Awesome, and that's New York City. That's the hotbed for coronavirus, especially every winter time. That's awesome. And yet, the messaging, remember Joe Biden's messaging? If you're unvaccinated, you're going to die. That was The official White House statement, you're going to overwhelm our hospitals and die and kill your family members. And they're not backing off that either. Remember the public, this, this, just, this just came out and the public's been furious about it. Oh, uh, that's a little divisive. It seems a little too far. What are you doing, Joe? Ron Klain, White House chief of staff, Or you can address him as president because he's the one actually running the country. He's out there on social media doubling down on that statement. The truth is the truth. Except it's not the truth at all. All across America, vaccinated and unvaccinated alike, are getting coronavirus and spreading coronavirus. This is something that is continuing to work its way through society as most sane people were saying it would in the very beginning. And yet Dr. Fauci, the number one pusher of COVID propaganda and fear, he's still out there making it awfully political while accusing others of doing the same. You have a highly effective vaccine that is very safe and you have 50 million people in the country
3: who refuse to get vaccinated, many of which are motivated purely by differences in political ideology which is really unacceptable.
0: You hear that? He thinks it's unacceptable. Who cares what you think? Who cares if Dr. Fauci thinks it's acceptable? Is he he of the opinion that he's above us? That we have to do things that he finds acceptable? I don't care if Dr. Fauci thinks everything I do is unacceptable. I think he's unacceptable. I think he should get thrown in prison. He better be dang happy I'm not running things, or he'd already be in a dark hole somewhere. I'd have that guy locked up in federal prison tomorrow for the things he's done. I find Dr. Fauci to be unacceptable. And look, this effort to slam this vaccine into everyone... It's, it's just gotten to the point where it's weird. We now have musical artists. The White House spent your money and my money on the Jonas Brothers and a bunch of other people who I don't really recognize to come in and do some weird vaccine push. Who is this effective on? If you're still out there and you're not vaccinated, and I'm not, and I don't care if you are or not, it doesn't matter. It's not my business. But if you're still out there and you're not vaccinated, are the Jonas Brothers going to be the thing that pushes you over the edge? You think that's bad? You should see the creepy things running locally around the country. Take a look at this ad from New Jersey.
1: Dear Santa, I don't want games. I don't want toys. Just get me the COVID vaccine.
4: This holiday season, there's no better gift than peace of mind. Get vaccinated today. Visit covid19.nj.gov.
0: And our major cities continue to go downhill. We already brought up New York. Washington, D.C. just brought back mask mandates. They're forcing boosters for their city employees. Boston, Boston just elected a full-blown communist, by the way. Boston, they basically banned unvaccinated people from public life. Remember who's been telling you from the very beginning to get out of these blue areas? Not because of just where they are, where they're going. These places are going to continue to descend into madness. And you know what? I do think I misspoke a second ago, so I need to correct myself. I said, maybe you're vaccinated. Maybe you're unvaccinated. I don't care. That was actually a miss. That was me misspeaking there because. I don't care who you are. You're about to be unvaccinated
1: those guidelines currently don't include anything about booster shots. Um, Is there going to be any sort of update to those requirements that will include further guidance on, you know, whether boosters will be included as like a, as a requirement to, um, it's being fully vaccinated, essentially? Sure, it's
2: a good question. So we would first, the CDC has not changed their evaluation of, uh, of what being fully vaccinated means. I think Dr. Fauci has said it's not a matter of if, but when. Um, and then obviously, we base any of our uh, policies from the federal government on the CDC guidance. So that would be the first step, if and when they were to change that.
0: Not a matter of if, but when insanity. And now let's have an uncomfortable talk. Let's talk about Donald Trump. Here's Donald Trump sitting down with the first very own Bill O'Reilly.
3: Both the president and I are vaxxed, and uh, did you get the booster? Mm-hmm. Yes. I got it too. Okay, so... Um... Oh, don't, 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 don't. don't no, no. That's our. There's a very tiny group over there.
0: Crowd wasn't happy about it. I will tell you something. Again, I don't care about your vaccination status. This is not a war between vaccinated and unvaccinated. But let's talk about Donald Trump for a moment. I've always thought he's one of the more capable politicians I've ever seen in my life. Very, very, very good at reading what his base wants to hear and giving them that. But this endless vaccine sales pitch that he's on, it's not it. Even his vaccinated base doesn't want to hear that right now. This country, his base, especially, the right, you, me, we're tired of hearing all this nonsense all the time. Everywhere we turn, no matter what you're watching, vaccine this, vaccine that, get the vaccine, 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 vaccine. We don't want to hear it from Donald Trump. And look, here he is. Don't forget, by the way, to watch No Spin News on the first TV. But here's Donald Trump talking about how we should just take take credit for it. Let's wade into it. But
3: look, we did something that was historic. We saved tens of millions of lives worldwide. We, together, all of us, not me, we, we got a vaccine done, three vaccines done, and tremendous therapeutics like Regeneron and other things that have saved a lot of lives. We got a vaccine done... In less than nine months, it was supposed to take from five to 12 years. Because of that vaccine, because of that vaccine, millions and millions of people — I think this would have been the Spanish flu of 1917, where up to 100 million people died. This was going to ravage the country far beyond what it is right now. Take credit for it. Take credit for it. It's a great — what we've done is historic. Don't let them take it away. Don't take it away from ourselves. You're playing, that, you're playing right into their hands when you sort of like, oh, the vaccine. If you don't want to take it, you shouldn't be forced to take it. No mandates, but take credit because we saved tens of millions of lives. Take credit. Don't let them take that away from you.
0: Okay. Let's be honest about what this is. Donald Trump... Operation Warp Speed took place under Donald Trump. He sat and watched every Democrat politician, every media hack out there rail against the vaccine while it was under Donald Trump. And the second he got kicked from office, they all changed their tune and started pushing the vaccine on everyone. And now Donald Trump's out there making this pitch because he feels like he was denied credit for something he probably rightfully should have gotten credit for. That's all fine and good, but. Man, is that not the fight we're in right now? We're not in the fight of Donald Trump getting credit or not getting credit. We're just not. All well, that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We got Drew Holden coming up next. You're not gonna believe the crap the White House pulled and the media joining them. We'll talk about that. But first, let's talk about health insurance. I know, I know, it's not fun. It's never been fun, will never be fun. Shopping for health insurance is awful. I'm gonna make your life a lot easier. One Share Health is a faith-based insurance. Faith-based insurance group, all right? Their options are endless, absolutely endless. Anything you want out of insurance, it's available at One Share Health. Their rates are outstanding. So whether you're shopping for just you yourself or maybe your whole family, go to my.onesharehealth.com slash kelly and use the promo code Kelly. And when you do that, you get 75 bucks off your enrollment fee. You don't have to shop anymore. My.oneShareHealth.com slash Kelly. We'll be back with Drew Holden. We criticize other countries like China for having a state-run media. And let's, let's just let's boil it down. What is a state-run media? It's the people in charge telling the media what to say. We look at that in places like China or North Korea, and we say to ourselves, oh, gosh, that's terrible who would want to live under that that's propaganda that's not right what's different here you remember joe biden's been drowning his approval numbers are in the toilet it's not a secret everyone basically hates everything he's done so joe biden instead of making adjustments instead he sent out a bunch of talking points to a bunch of different reporters he wants them talking about this in this way and this in that way this is something real that happened this didn't happen in china Joining me now is my friend, writer, Drew Holden. And Drew, Drew's been exposing this stuff all over the place. Drew, what exactly happened and what was the result? What was the fallout of it?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, Jesse. So the White House sent out these talking points to a a group of friendly reporters. Needless to say, I I wasn't exactly one of them. Where they had said, hey, here's some some facts, some information, and you can source it as obtained. Which is journalistic lingo for essentially it fell off the back of a truck right these are things that get leaked out or otherwise find their way out not something that are are deliberately handed over and so they send out these again they call them talking point which is basically just a bulleted list of things that the white house believes to be true and is hoping that the corporate press will then take hand over to their readers as something that objectively is true when in fact uh, there was a lot to quibble with to put it mildly in what they had sent out
0: what they say about vaccination rates and school openings yeah so it was interesting the first thing
1: that they led with was about vaccination rates and they said a year ago today there was only one percent vaccination which uh is uh, fair it's accurate right uh but it isn't fair because a year ago from when they sent us out the first vaccine had just gone out a week prior and so they took credit for uh, a number of months where it was the trump administration who mind you by the time that they left office they were already hitting at what Biden's goal was in terms of new shots into arms. And they say, we got it from 1% to 70%, which isn't fair, isn't accurate, um, because they weren't the ones who were doing it. And then they took credit for reopening schools. They said, well, when we took over a year ago, so many schools weren't open, uh, but now almost all of them are open. Without pointing out that the Biden administration and their allies have worked overtime with the teachers unions to make sure that schools weren't open in person. Right? It's repeatedly leaked out that the Biden administration was relying on the teachers union talking point when crafting whether or not schools could be reopened. So to take credit for either of those things really doesn't make any sense.
0: Drew, let's pause before we keep going down this list of people you've exposed and talk about that for a brief moment. What's your thoughts? Why the commitment to keep schools closed, whether it be from the teachers' union or Joe Biden or Democrat politicians. It's clearly not a popular thing. Parents don't want kids having to learn from home. Kids need interaction. It just seemed like such an odd step that they're still so committed to. Why?
1: Yeah, I think it's two things. I think early on, there were a lot of politicians who wanted to give the appearance that they cared deeply about this pandemic, and so they were going to ask everything from everyone to try and get it beaten. Not that it ever made any sense, but I think for a period of time, there probably was kind of kicking around the heads of Democratic politicians, this idea that this will be safe. What I think happened pretty quickly, though, is they realized that the teachers unions don't want to be back teaching in person because it makes teachers jobs harder, right? The teachers don't want to be there. A lot of them are paranoid about being exposed. Uh, But in general, they went from being able to teach in their pajamas to having to go back to the classroom. And they didn't want to do that. And the teachers unions are an incredibly important stakeholder within Democratic Party politics. And I think what they've been doing for, you know, just about the last year is really twisting the arm of Democratic politicians and saying, you will lose our support if you send kids back into the classroom. Some of that, I'm sure they're trying to reach some of the more anxious parents. But we've known all along that this virus has a very, very minimal risk to kids. It's less than the seasonal flu. We're not helping them any by keeping them out of the classrooms. All we're doing is hurting them. But I think the Democrats were scared that the teachers unions were going to come for them if they tried to reckon with that reality.
0: Well, all right. Back to back to the talking points. What did the Biden administration tell these reporters about inflation?
1: Yeah. So inflation was probably the, ri- the richest of all of the things that they had to say here. So they had uh, two stats here that they 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 call out as um, you know the ways that the Biden administration is dealing with inflation. I'm sure you know, and I'm sure a lot of the viewers at home know, too. The American people are really upset with the Biden administration when it comes to inflation. About 70 percent of Americans, including a majority of Democrats, think that he hasn't done a good job in dealing with inflation. So he puts out these two facts. The first is about supply chain. He claims that he's doing something to get them back and moving. Unclear clear what that is. But then the one that, I mean, is really laughable just on its face is they took credit for gas prices coming down nearly 10 cents from their recent highs. Anyone who's been anywhere near a gas pump in the last couple of months know that gas prices have shot up considerably, right? Particularly compared to where they were before the pandemic, during the Trump years, gas prices were down pretty considerably. They're spiking a lot. And for a long time, the Biden administration said, well, sorry, nothing we can do. We can't control the price you pay at the pump, which isn't really true and fair. And now they're turning around and taking credit, not because gas prices are low by any objective measure, but because they're not quite as unbelievably high as they were a few weeks ago. And they tried to spin this as kind of a fair and honest talking point when it completely misses all of the context around gas prices and about inflation more broadly.
0: Drew, okay, so it's one thing to send this stuff out. Mm -hmm. It's another thing for reporters to choose to actually run with it instead of exposing that kind of thing. Who ran with it?
1: Yeah, so one of the first stories that that I saw break from it was from Axios, who, truth be told, and again, maybe just a little wet behind the ears, but an outlet that I think has a reputation for being pretty fair uh, among at least the corporate press for how they cover things and what they cover. They picked up this memo from the Biden White House Basically ran it word for word for the first 85% of the piece, added a tiny one sentence caveat that said, "Ah, eh, some people in businesses aren't wild about this whole inflation thing," and then closed with what the Biden's talking points were and included the memo. And so you're right. Once you know, I when I originally read this memo, my first thought was, "Wow, this is really ham-handed. This is this. There's no way anyone's going to pick this up and move and run with it, right? It, it's ridiculous on its face." maybe people find it in coverage somewhere or they use it as kind of a rebuttal statement or something like that. But no, Axios took this entire memo and just turned it into an article that they sent out to all of their readers.
0: Man, that is, that is something. I'll tell you what. All right, Drew. Has it been effective? I mean, look, let's be honest. Propaganda works. That's why so many people have done it throughout history. Propaganda is effective. But the American people are still upset with Joe. Are they less upset now? Did it work at all? That's a good question. I mean, we probably
1: won't know for a couple of weeks definitively whether or not any of these talking points are sinking in. Uh, But my hunch, my gut is that it's it's really not right. The the narrative, even with this new information information coming out, the the, the narrative more broadly hasn't moved or changed. There was a a new poll that recently came out that had Biden's approval at an all time low for him down to 41 percent. Right. And so when you when you start looking at his polling data, when you start looking at the general sentiment of the American public, when it comes to issues like inflation, they, they don't buy it. Right. And a lot of these a lot of these talking points are things that people like Jen Psaki and others have been saying over and over again for months. It's not really all that much in the way of new material. And it's obviously not resonating with voters. And so this to me seems like more of kind of a, a last gasp attempt to get these talking points into, in, in front of voters. But they rejected them so far. So I can't imagine it's going to work very well.
0: Drew Holden, everybody. Drew, Merry Christmas to you and yours, my man.
1: Jesse, a Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Be good. Miranda Devine joins us next. She literally wrote the book on Hunter Biden's laptop. And no, I'm not bringing up old things. This still very much applies to what's going on right now geopolitically across the globe. This thing is a really big deal. You know it's a big deal because the American media tried to censor it. So I can't wait to talk to Miranda. But first, what kind of holster do you have? Where did you get your holster? And look, if you said you went to a big box hunting store and bought your pistol there, and then you just went over the shelf and bought a holster, I'm not going to judge you because I've done it. All right. And then I've had those holsters wear down and break over time. I buy all my gear now exclusively from Northwest Retention Systems. If I need a sling, I go to Northwest Retention Systems. If I need a holster, they have really cool designs too, by the way, I go to Northwest Retention Systems. And it's not complicated. Yes, it's an American company. I love that, but it's all custom made. It's all custom made right here in America. I've never seen quality like this on gear in my life, and I've had a lot of gear. Go to nwretention.com and just start enjoying some of the best gear you've ever had. Use the promo code JESSE though, and it'll get you 10% off. nwretention.com, promo code JESSE. We'll be back.
2: My colleague Miranda Devine has
1: a new book out called uh, The Laptop from Hell. And I was hoping that you could confirm that the laptop is indeed authentic um, and not Russian disinformation,
2: as you seem to suggest on Twitter last year. As it relates to the book, I've neither neither had the time nor interest in exploring or reading the book. It, it, go it, ahead, Tina. Attorney, go uh, ahead, Tina. Inf- I, I think I answered your perception. question. Go ahead. You, you can go to the representative of the person who's not an employee of the federal government. Go ahead, Tina. I think we have to move on. Go ahead. Is there ahead. anything the way...
0: Spicy. I can't wait to read this thing. Joining me now, obviously, great New York Post writer, but now author of the book, Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech, and the Dirty Secrets the President Has Tried to Hide. The great Miranda Devine joins me now. Miranda, let's begin at the beginnings. I think there's so much craziness all the time. It's easy to forget about huge stories that happened 15 minutes ago. Let's talk about the New York Post running with this story and getting censored right off the bat.
4: Hi, Jesse. Yes, look, it was quite shocking, I think, even though we knew that this was a bombshell story that would displease the Democrats uh, because it reflected so poorly on their candidate for president. We just didn't realise that big tech was going to come out of the shadows and put its thumb on the scales in such a massive way, you know, expose themselves as censoring the oldest newspaper in the country, the fourth largest by audience. Uh, Facebook first came out of the gates and claimed that they were going to stop any sharing of our story pending a fact check, which still they haven't done. Um, and I know they haven't done it because they never bothered contacting any of the other recipients on the email that we published that first day last October three weeks before the election and then Twitter came out very quickly afterwards and made up some bogus excuse said we'd um, I don't know violated their hacked materials policy even though the laptop wasn't hacked and uh, you know Twitter, admitted after the election that there was no hacking going on and it was a mistake to censor us, but they locked our account for two weeks, the New York Post's account. And anybody who tried to share that story, Biden's secret emails that we had on the front page, um, was suspended, including Kayleigh McEnany, who was Donald Trump's then press secretary. Miranda,
0: that seems like such a drastic step. I mean, it's not shocking that big tech is to, on the left. Everyone knows that. and It's not shocking they would eliminate a an account or ban someone from social media. I, everyone can get all that. But that's such a drastic step to take a legitimate outlet like the New York Post and immediately accuse them of spreading Russian disinformation. Why such a drastic step? Did they just get so scared? Why do you think they would do something so bad?
4: because they panicked. Uh, It was three weeks before the election. This is very damning material. Um, You know, just that first story that we published that Emma Jo Morris, my colleague wrote, um, was showing that Joe Biden had lied repeatedly during the election campaign, when he said that he didn't know anything about his son Hunter Biden's business dealings. And what the email showed from Hunter's laptop was that Uh, one of Hunter's business partners from Ukraine, who was paying him $83,000 a month to sit on its board, um, had thanked Hunter for introducing him to his father the previous evening. And this was while Joe Biden was vice president. I mean, since then, uh, you know, in the book, I have so much more evidence. It wasn't just a meeting with a single business associate from overseas of Hunter Biden's. It was a dinner at Cafe Milano in 2015 with Vice President Biden and Hunter's business partners from Ukraine, Russia and Kazakhstan. Uh, And the White House, in fact, admitted that. But it didn't matter because before the election, they had to do what they did, which was get rid of that story, delete it and make sure that as many people as possible couldn't see it. And that could have made a material difference to the outcome of the election, um, judging by polls that were taken after the election. The Media Research Centre had one which showed that, Uh, Almost half of Joe Biden voters knew nothing about the scandals on the laptop. They didn't know that Hunter was under investigation. I mean, none of us did at that point. Uh, And if they had known, about one in 10 would have changed their vote. And in an election that was decided by 45,000 votes in a handful of battleground states, that would have made a difference.
0: Miranda, What's this Eastern European Russian connection thing the Biden family has? I mean, there's all kinds of corruption all places in the world, and it always seems to come back to something like Ukraine or
4: Russia. Where did all this come from, do you think? Yeah, I think that's what people don't really understand about the Biden family. Uh, we've heard a lot about China uh, and the fact that uh, you know, Hunter Biden traveled with Joe Biden on Air Force Two in 2013 to Beijing uh, when Joe Biden was meeting with the Xi Jinping, the president, and the high-ranking CCP members, and also shook hands, went to a private room with Hunter Biden's new Chinese business partner, and Hunter walked away with a 10% stake in a private equity firm or an equity firm that uh, had $2.5 billion under management. Um, we know all about that, really. That's been quite well reported in the past. But what I think people don't understand is that Hunter Biden also was deeply embedded in the inner sanctum of Vladimir Putin. And it's ironic, considering the Democrats were running that whole Russia hoax against Donald Trump, when, in fact, Joe Biden himself and his family were deeply implicated in uh, that the oligarch uh, inner sanctum of Vladimir Putin and in fact Hunter Biden left a State Department lunch with Xi Jinping that his father was hosting and flew to Moscow to have breakfast the next morning with one of uh, Vladimir Putin's right hand oligarchs uh, at his home. And um, it was Russians who uh, tipped Hunter into this incredibly lucrative job at Burisma. Um, the Ukrainian energy company. And Hunter used to sort of try and make excuses for that grace and favor job that obviously was done uh, because of his father. Um, He he used to pretend that he'd say, well, um, you know, what I'm doing is I'm helping Ukraine become energy independent from Moscow. But that's not true because uh, the owner of Burisma had been the former energy minister in the Russia-aligned kleptocracy, the regime that had been ousted during the Maiden Revolution, uh, all of the people that Hunter was tied up with in Ukraine were Russians or Russian-aligned, spoke Russian. So it's the Russia and the China uh, involvement because those were the two countries that had the most to gain from compromising Joe Biden and his family. And Joe Biden was running this scheme Uh, You know, Hunter was the bag man. He was the front guy. He was the guy collecting the money and dispersing it to the rest of the family. Joe Biden was, there is some evidence on the laptop that he was also financially benefiting from this. But Hunter Biden had nothing to sell if not for his father's power and influence and the prestige of the United States.
0: Man, what a dirty business. This is absolutely fascinating. All right, Miranda, if we actually had a DOJ that was worth something, is there something criminal on there that points towards Joe? Obviously, Hunter, there's plenty of things criminal that point towards Hunter. Is there something that actually Joe could go down
4: for? Look, I don't know. Um, Prosecutors, um, or former prosecutors I know who have looked at a lot of the material in the laptop... Say that there are multiple crimes. Um, It's certainly unethical. Uh, It's certainly um, corrupt. Uh, So, you know, whether or not anything comes of it, I mean, I'm kind of doubtful. Uh, But we do know that Hunter and his brother Jim Biden are both under investigation, multiple investigations. And whether that be um, over tax, over um, foreign influence, or over money laundering. Um, all of those are serious crimes. Uh, let's see if anything comes of those. It's um, you know, we know that Hunter Biden breathed a great sigh of relief because he told us in his own memoir uh, that the morning after his father had won the election that he felt this great weight come off his shoulders because he knew now that he would be home free.
0: That is fascinating. Again, Miranda, tell people where they can get this book, I cannot wait to get my hands on it.
4: Look, unfortunately, it sold out day one, Um, so uh, there's uh, the audio book and there's the Kindle, but the um, Amazon I see has just restocked, so they do have books now available. Um, There were some third-party sellers who were selling at inflated prices. I just don't think people should reward people who are trying to profit, um, and so I think just Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's going to be the early January before people can get their hands on the book. Um, but in the meantime, the audiobook is really fantastic. Um, it's it's read masterfully by a really good narrator.
0: Miranda Devine, thank you so much. Thanks for writing. It. I appreciate you.
4: Thanks, Jesse. Great to talk to you.
0: Family is dirty, man. Dirty. Speaking of dirty, Joe Manchin, your greatest strength being your greatest weakness. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm talking about next. But first, have you watched our George Soros special? You can watch it right now, you can watch it anytime you want but you got to go to the firsttv.com/support and sign up and then you can watch it on demand that and several great specials and we're going to keep doing that give you great specials give you access to things others don't have access to go to the firsttv.com/support we'll be back sometimes your greatest strength is your greatest weakness you know Obviously, I do this show here on the first TV every single night, every single night. And I enjoy doing TV. Obviously, you enjoy the show or you wouldn't still be watching it. You wouldn't be looking at me as we speak. And part of what helps me do a TV show for you every single night is I get really, really focused when I'm doing it. I don't think about other things. And frankly, I don't care about other things. That's a benefit, right? So I'm sitting down in this chair and I'm not worried about the the lighting in the room or the background or or my earpiece, right? I I don't think about those things. I don't care for those things. It doesn't interest me at all. That's a strength. It's it's a good thing. But it can also be a really bad thing. There are times when we've had technical problems on the show. I can't fix them. We got to have people come in here. Can we get some technical guys? I don't know how any of these wires work. It doesn't... Sometimes your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. And communists are no different. The communists' great strength is their religious commitment to their religion. That's what it is. It's a religion of death. And they believe in it all the way. They never turn it off. Always aggressive. Always on offense. Always moving forward. Gaining ground. Gaining ground. Gaining ground. Gobbling up everything and everyone in their way. Or just flat out destroying it. That's a benefit when you're trying to gain power like they do. It could hurt you too, though. You see, presidents in general, this is how it works, presidents get one major piece of legislation in general. You get elected president, there's that honeymoon phase where you're freshly elected, oftentimes you have the House and Senate like Joe Biden does, and you get one. You have enough political capital to get yourself one. And you pick what that is. Like Barack Obama's was Obamacare. It was gigantic, gathered up the House and Senate, ran that thing through, and then lost the House in the midterms. That's why you generally get one. You cram through one massive piece of legislation most of the country hates, then your party loses power and you don't get another thing passed. The Biden administration's one big thing was build back better, which is such a stupid name, but we're not going into that. Build back better. That was their one big thing. And because they're aggressive communists... They have been hammering the talking points on this for months after month after month. They've just been going forward, going forward, always relentless, and trying to corral the votes that you need in the House and the Senate. And it's tough, right? Okay, what do we have to bribe you with, Senator? Okay, how many, how many roads should we build in your district, Congressman? That kind of thing. You know, it's all dirty. It's all terrible. But they've been moving forward. A major roadblock for them has been Joe Manchin. And let's clear something up right now. Joe Manchin's a Democrat elected in a Republican state, the state of West Virginia. They hate Build Back Better. They they oppose it. That's why Joe Manchin opposed this bill. But Joe Manchin supported many, many, many of the horrible things in this bill. I mean, you look at actually the things he supported. It's almost like he was 75% of the way there. And then all of a sudden, he pulls out. And he doesn't just pull out. He pulls out publicly. It's one thing to say behind closed doors, hey, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, I'm out on this thing. It's another thing entirely to go on television and pull out. Why? What happened? Here's Joe Manchin talking about it.
3: You know me, always willing to work and listen and try. I just got to the wit's end, and they know the real reason what happened. They won't tell you, and I'm not going to. because. Wait, 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 wait.
0: wait. You, no. say, wait, wait.
3: you said you, there is, they know the real reason they're not going to tell us. You're not going to tell us. What do you mean? What's the real? Wh- well, the so bottom there's...
0: line is there was, there was there
3: basically, and it's staff. It's staff-driven. I understand staff. This is not the president. It's the staff. And they drove some things, and they put some things out that were absolutely inexcusable. In, in the they know what it is, and that's it.
0: Let me tell you what happened. Politico and Fox News have both been reporting on this. Let me give you the skinny. Joe Manchin very early on was obviously going to be a problem. Well, again, communists are religiously committed. They can't ever turn it off. So when they saw Joe Manchin was a problem, they didn't go with the butter-up strategy, the sweet-talk-him strategy. That's not how communists think. That's not how they operate. Instead, they sent out their street groups to go on a relentless attack campaign, a harassment campaign on him and his family. Remember, at one point in time, we played you a video on this show. Joe Manchin lives in a houseboat in D.C. area. They actually sent kayakers up to his houseboat to scream at him. And so what happened here? What, did, what made Joe Manchin pull out finally? Well, the White House was preparing another statement on trying to get it passed, And they wanted to name him by name as being the reason it wasn't passing. And Joe Manchin said, hey, uh, I'm getting harassed all the time and abused. And my family's getting harassed and abused. Leave my name out of the report. Don't name me. I'm not telling you, you don't try to convince me or whatnot, but just don't name me so, so the harassment won't continue. And the communists, well, their great strength became their greatest weakness they don't think like that. Communists don't negotiate. Communists don't back down. And they certainly are never going to show mercy because you or your family's being harassed. The communists in the White House, they wanted Joe Manchin to be harassed. I mean, look, Jen Zaki was flat out asked about it.
2: Our objective is getting this legislation passed and reminding uh, the American people and all people who uh, could vote for it what the stakes are. Uh, So no, we don't have regrets about uh, aggressively communicating about it and making sure people understand that if we don't pass this legislation, costs for the American people will go up and economic growth projections will not go in the right direction.
0: Regrets? No, we don't regret harassing a senator and destroying our own bill. That's how we operate. They can't ever turn it off. And it's become a weakness sometimes. All right. We have a great light in the mood for you. Next. All right. It's time to lighten the mood. Do you remember what childhood was like, especially back, you know, 80s. Shoot, even 90s, what childhood was like. And no, I'm not going to do this thing that I've always found to be annoying. Back in my day, that's not what I'm doing. But we didn't have phones. We didn't have tablets. And this phone is is wonderful and terrible. There's so much technology and wisdom and entertainment available right at your fingertips now. That's a good thing. But do you remember the crazy things we used to do as kids? That we get ourselves into trouble or get ourselves hurt. How awesome was that? I mean, I, I saw this video and I thought, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, that looks familiar. <laughs> <laughs> How many moms out there right now are just stressed out? (laughs) That was awesome. All right, I'll see you tomorrow.